Good morning, everybody. Morning. Everybody doing good? Morning. Surviving the uh, New England weather? Yes. I was saying in the last service, if uh, New England had a personality, she'd be schizophrenic. <laughs> I mean, what is going on, you know? Last week, it's, you know, 70. This week, what do we got? I know, it's just crazy. Only in New England, right, everybody? Yes. Only in New England. Well, my name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, if you're new to Connect and you ventured out, on a uh, crazy kind of stormy day. Uh, we're so grateful that you're here. And we're in a series that's entitled Jesus Is. How many were here for last week for Easter? Raise your hand good and high. All right. So we had a lot, of, lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people here last week. And uh, five services on the weekend. And it was crazy busy and lots of people. And I don't like to, you know, put out numbers and stuff because they get misinterpreted. But... You know, God is interested in numbers. He has a whole book of numbers in the Bible. So. But one number I'd like to share is that we had 71 decisions for Christ. 71 people made a commitment, and eternity was changed for 71 people. Isn't that great? And so that was just awesome. But we, we, we started talking about this whole idea of who Jesus is, and my sacrifice was on Palm Sunday, and then, of course, he is my champion, was this last Sunday. If you weren't here, you can go and you can watch that online. Today, though, we're going to talk about Jesus is my healer. Amen? Yeah. It's interesting that anytime I talk about healing, uh, I seem to come under some kind of an attack, so I've been struggling vocally and... So you're going to have to just work with me today. Last week, uh, Monday morning, I woke up and my throat swollen shut. I couldn't even speak or swallow just from, I think, just blowing my vocal cords out preaching. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still preach and put it, on the, put it all on the line today. So you guys just pray that I get through it. Amen. And I like to kick the, you know what, just as a, before you clap, don't clap for me, but clap for Jesus. But I, I just think that, you know, when you're not feeling good and yet you got a message that's going to address that, it's just like, let's just, I have this feeling like, let's go, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to kick the devil's butt and some people are going to get healed. You know, if you were to invite people to a church like this, a lot of times people invite a church to a church like this. We're called Connect, and we like to connect the disconnected to God, godly people in a godly place. But our first thing is to connect people to God. So we want people to come who are disconnected and connect them to God. And one of the words the Bible uses is saved. So we try to get people saved. Just, you know, get them on track eternally with God. But when you talk about healing, you know, we want to get people healed, too. So today's a, not get, it's a get saved, but it's also a get healed day, okay? So if anybody need a healing in your body, raise your hand. So if you know somebody needs a healing, raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, then maybe you don't have one. <laughs> okay, so, all right, going to move on. <laughs> Uh, you can get your worship guide out. You can follow along uh, in your digital Bibles if you want. Uh, Mark chapter 1 will be our theme text as we continue this series. This is going to be helpful for some of you. Um, I could have called this Jesus is my physician, Jesus is my doctor, Jesus is my healer. Uh, but uh, the Bible, uh, Jesus refers to himself in the Bible as a physician, as a doctor, as a healer. And you'll see that later. And this word uh, physician, inside that word is a word that we're familiar with. And that word is physical. Physical. And so basically a physician is someone who is skilled in the art of the physical body, someone who understands it, someone who knows how to help it. And I believe that Jesus is skilled uh, in the art of the physical body because he created us. In John chapter 1, verse 1, uh, before, it's not in your notes, but just bonus, the, before Jesus was uh, 
uh, in the flesh with us, he was the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among men is what it says. John 1, 1, 1, 11, it talks about this. So even before he came to be, he created everything that came to be. Does that make sense? So he's the word. And so he created you. So he, he, he breathed life um, out of, out of the, the, the nostrils of God. Theos Neustis is a big Greek word, Hebrew word, excuse me. And it talks about how he kind of breathed life into the dust of the ground. That was, that, was, that was Jesus. He was the word that made that happen. So he knows a little bit about the physical body because he created it. He, he, was, he was there in the beginning. He was there in, in Scripture, and he's, and he's still working in our lives today. Amen? And so I want to talk to you about this whole idea. But before I do, I want to remind you, if you haven't heard this before, if you're new to Connect, you have, that we have three parts to us. So we are a tripart being. We're created in God's likeness or image. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're created in his image as tripart. We have a spirit, a mind, and a body. So we are, have no problem, most of us, believing that God is interested in our spirit. What it's the, the, uh, the, the, the eternal connection of it, the feeding of it. We come to church to connect people to God, make sure that our spirit is, is alive. We come to church, if we know God already, to feed and nourish that spirit to make sure it's, it's, it's leading the rest of our tripart being. That's kind of why we do what we do, whether you know that's why you're doing it or not. We don't have a problem with that. We don't have a problem believing that God is interested in our mind. In other words, the scripture says that, you know, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind in Romans 12, chapter 1. So, so we come to receive the word right now so that his thoughts go into our minds, renew it, not just inform it, and then eventually become, you know, more and less likeness. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we want to have the right kind of thoughts. His ways are higher than our thoughts, and so we want to learn about his thoughts so we can exalt them above ours and live a better life. And we don't have a problem with that. But when it comes to the body, sometimes there's this, like, here's the Heisman Jesus on that. I believe he, he wants to do something with my spirit. I believe he wants to do something with my mind. But I'm, not sh I'm, I'm, I'm all for it, but I'm kind of like a two-thirds committed to this process. And many people have an issue or unfortunately hold this unfortunate belief that Jesus isn't interested in healing our body. In Romans 10, again, bonus, the Bible says this about salvation. It says if that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, say it, believe it, you will be saved. Anybody heard that scripture before? Yeah. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we believe, it goes on, it talks about believing confession and how we make it happen. But that word saved in the New Testament is a, has a Greek word behind it. And the Greek word is sudzo. And it means that God didn't just save your, your spirit. He didn't just save your mind. He saved your body. He saved your body. So he wants to save all of you. Jesus is interested in healing every aspect of your tripart being. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. There's three ways that God heals us. Look, write this down if you're taking notes. First way he heals you is naturally, naturally. The second way that he can heal us is medically, medically. The third way he can heal us is miraculously or supernaturally. So naturally, medically, or supernaturally. Either way, you can say it miraculously or supernaturally. It doesn't matter to me. It's all God at the end of it. But if, you know, when we talk about how God can heal us, I thank God that he can heal us naturally. If you ever have, have ever had a cut, you know, you were slicing and dicing onions, you cut your finger, if, if you couldn't be healed naturally, you would have bled to death. 
My sister-in-law struggles with, she's a struggling hemophiliac, and that basically means that her body, for some reason, uh, has a problem doing what it was created to do, and that is heal itself when it bleeds. And so it's a, it's a difficulty. But you and I, most of us, when we have a problem like that, we, our body has this incredible capacity to regenerate or heal itself. And that can be assisted by other natural forces, supplementation, exercise, you know, stress management, all those kind of things. And, 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 and it helps a lot. The Bible says physical training is of some value. The Bible says we're supposed to take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Some of you are like, if my body's a temple, then some of us feel like we're a megachurch once in a while, you know, after ice cream, you know what I mean? We're like, <laughs> so, so there's, there's benefit to, to natural healing. God made that possible. He created you, your body, to actually heal itself and restore itself. I thank God that we can be healed medically also. Now, we need medical doctors. Sometimes we have a, um, an aversion to medicine, um, probably because of misinformation, sometimes because of poor representation, sometimes because of, of extreme beliefs, which would have been a case for me growing up a little bit. It was like a sign of weakness to, to go to a doctor instead of a sign of wisdom sometimes to go to a doctor. There's, there's the balance between those two things, and, and I've had to learn that over so many years. <laughs> um, but, but without medical science, uh, there, there would be a lot of problems. Medical science has, uh, because of it, has eliminated a lot of the diseases that cost thousands and thousands of people their lives. Smallpox and, 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 and polio and tuberculosis completely obliterated because of uh, medical science. But God gave man the ability to, to learn and discover and have the wisdom in those areas. There's a tendency sometimes for man to exalt itself in those situations. For example, even in uh, prosperity. Men, women, people can think, you know, uh, if we have a certain wherewithal and, and wealth to our lives, we can think, I'm all that in a bag of chips. I did this. I'm the one that got me to this place in this position where, whereas the Bible tells us it is he who gives us the power to get wealth. Everything that we have comes from God, was dispersed by God, was created for God. And so at the end of the day, it's the same way as it relates to the wisdom that we receive to do certain things successfully. It all originates with him, ultimately, if you're a Christ follower. Amen? But God gave us wisdom on how to deal with the human body. And so, so if you think about certain things in your life, you know these things have worked in your life. For example, how many of you have ever had stitches before? Stitches. Okay? Lots of people. How many of you have ever broken a bone? Broken a bone. There's some messed up people in this house right now. That's all I'm saying. A lot of broken bones. Um, anybody ever have a minor surgery? Minor surgery. Okay, wow. Okay, let's check this out. A major surgery. Wow. Cosmetic surgery. Just kidding. Just kidding. You don't have to raise your hand. Everybody's like looking around. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Oh, I knew she did. Oh, I knew. Oh, I knew. Whoo, I saw that. I saw that. You guys are looking around. Take notes. I thought I'd get somebody on that one. I did. If you've had those type of things happen, any and all, then you've experienced medical healing. You've experienced natural healing. And we understand that and we appreciate that. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you have ever experienced the miraculous healing of God in your life? Raise your hand if you have. Amen. Okay. Oh, a large number of people have. That's amazing. Amazing. 
So, so gonna, this is a rhetorical question. That means you don't have to answer out loud. Does God still heal today? That's what we're going to talk about. Okay, so look at Mark chapter 1 in your notes. This is a story that I really think uh, unpacks a lot of, not all of, the questions that people have with regards to healing. It's the story of a man with leprosy, and he comes to Jesus, and, and he begs him on his knees. Jesus, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Jesus was indignant, or in your Bible, it may say in the New King James or King James, he was moved with compassion, which is a better translation of that word. He reached his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So I want to give you four questions that we're going to answer that deal with the subject of healing. Healing is one of the most misunderstood misinformed uh, areas of, of really the Christian experience. It's much like um, subjects like the Holy Spirit or prosperity, for example. I find it interesting. This is just me, a little sidebar as a pastor, pastoring people, that the most controversial subjects in my experience in Scripture have to do with the, the subject of money, prosperity, let's just say, the Holy Spirit, and also healing. And interesting, you know, prosperity helps us kind of live successfully in this life. Holy Spirit helps us and empowers us in this life because we need power. And healing helps us so we don't break down and not be able to finish this life. And yet those three areas are sometimes the most controversial, uh, misinformed areas of the Christian experience. Isn't that interesting? Nobody's as interested as I am, but I think it's pretty interesting. So these are hotly disputed, all right? So four questions about Jesus as my healer. The first question is, why was Jesus a healer? Why? Why? Now, we already read from Mark 141 that he was moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, said you can be clean, and he was from that point forward. In Matthew 14, 14, in your notes, it says, and when Jesus went out, he saw multitudes, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. In Matthew 20, 34, it says, so Jesus again, had compassion. Basically, two blind men had come to him for healing, and it says he touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Everywhere Jesus saw sick people, his response was he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed them. In Luke 7, this is an incredible story of Jesus seeing a woman who was crying. Her son had already passed. This was the funeral processional. And basically, they would come through town, kind of like on a horse and cart, and the coffin was in the cart open. So you could, it was an open casket as the, the, the deceased boy passed through the town. Jesus sees the woman crying and mourning, goes over to the woman and says, do not, do not, do not weep, do not worry. Goes over to the coffin, and look what it says. In Luke 7, 13, it says, He had compassion on her, said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he was dead. He who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. How many know that would be a different kind of ending to a funeral? <laughs> right? All of these verses, though, as amazing as the outcomes are, what preceded them was compassion from Jesus. Jesus had compassion on people. So it's simple. Why did he heal them? Because he loves people. He loves people. And I think it's important for you to know that nothing's changed. He still loves people. He's still moved with compassion for people. Nothing's changed. You know, there's a lie that was propagated when I was in cemetery. I mean seminary. 
And one of those distortions of truth was that Jesus uh, was healing people or that he had to heal people to prove that he was, in fact, the Messiah. This was just kind of this, it was, a, it was a big, really a big lie that he went around healing people because he was trying to say, I am the Messiah, I am who I said I am. And he healed people. The reason he healed people, by the way, is because he loved people. He didn't have to prove anything to people. In fact, in Scripture, uh, there's so many things I could say about this, but in John chapter 13, it says he knew who he was before he even came and where he had come from. John 13, 1 tells us that. So he didn't need people to approve of him or validate him to prove who he said he was. He knew who he was. Amen. And he was secure. He was always trying to do things that would, um, would uh, help other people, not necessarily promote himself. He didn't have to act like the son of God. He was, in fact, the son of God. And so he didn't, he didn't, have to, he didn't carry the Torah around and say, well, it says right here that I, he did many miracles, so I better do three today and two tomorrow and meet my quota. That's, how, that's not how it was with Jesus. He didn't have to act like the Messiah. He was the Messiah. Amen. Jesus is. All right, is God full of love, grace, truth, and also power? So the question is, if he was a healer, is he still a healer today? And again, there are all these, um, these, these ideas that have been floating around within Christianity, these, these myths in, in some cases, and it causes a lot of doubt in Christ followers, in particular in the American church. In fact, you may not realize this, but all of you as Christians, you know and actually say subconsciously or consciously a Hebrew word all the time that kind of promotes this problem. In other words, there's this Hebrew word. I'm going to tell you what it is, and you're going to recognize it in a couple minutes. You say this a lot. It's a Hebrew word, and the word is yabat. Yabat. Turn to your neighbor and say yabat. Yeah, but, yeah, but. In other words, if I said Jesus still heals today, in your mind, you say the Hebrew word, yeah, but. If I said Jesus can heal you, in your mind, the Hebrew word comes out, yeah, but, yeah, but. It happens when somebody says to you, God's going to do a miracle in your life right now. If you believe, you can have it. There's this Hebrew word that pops out, and sometimes it even comes out, yeah, but. You guys, we all have just this Hebrew condition called yabbats, okay? And it's, and it's really, listen, there, there needs to be no yabbats when it comes to Jesus as our healer. It's not he did it once and he doesn't do it anymore. Hebrews 13.8 says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, I am the Lord, and Malachi, I change what? Not. So he still heals. So can, people, can Jesus still heal today? The answer is absolutely, absolutely, inarguably yes. So let me tell you what gets in the way of that. Let me give you three things Jesus was not. Number one, they're going to be some big words, but they'll be simple to understand, okay? Here's the thing Jesus was not. He was not a sensationalist, a sensationalist. In other words, he never made a spectacle out of healing. He never called attention to himself. He diverted attention from himself. If he healed somebody, he'd say, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. You go heal somebody over there and say, hey, don't tell anybody that. Now, did they go tell everybody? Yeah, they did. And you would too. You would too. You, wouldn't, you couldn't hold it back. You'd be like so blown away by that. He only did what his father told him to do. John 14, 31, I love the Father. I want the world to know that I only do what he tells me to do. And so most theologians believe, you don't have to believe this. This is not necessarily of scripture. This is, just, this is just study, that the reason he would do that, you know, is because it wasn't his time yet. 
And there was a timing and a sequence to his mission. When certain things were supposed to be happening, they were orchestrated by the Father. The Father handles time. He's holding back Jesus, the Son of God, from even returning right now. I think Jesus is waiting, ready to jump on his white horse and come down and do what he's got to do. But the Father said, hold up, hold up, hold up. There's a few more people I want to reach right now. I know when you should go. Even Jesus doesn't know when he should go. And so Jesus was on an assignment by his Father, and there was a perfect timing to it. And so he said, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. Dad hasn't told me you know, to get this whole thing out yet. And then there's also the people at the time, the religious leaders at the time. You know, it says that they would, they would have envy. It was because of envy that they put him, on, put him on a cross. And the religious were upset about that. And so envy would increase if the people would look to Jesus for everything amongst the religious, and it would accelerate things. Just a sidebar for those of you who are interested in that kind of stuff. But he never put on a show. People today have made a show of healing. And so sometimes normal people are averse to healing environments because the healing environments are all about a big show, a spectacle. Jesus just loved people, prayed for people, and people got healed anywhere and everywhere. Didn't have to be in front of 300 people, watch this, everybody check this out. No, it could be right out in the streets, right in a mall, right in your home. My wife and I one time were praying for a woman. I just thought of this all of a sudden, and she was struggling. You might be here today, you need prayer in this area. But she was told that, that uh, she had miscarried. And actually, she'd already begun to bleed. And we were in a home down the street, and she, she, in faith, she just for some reason knew to come to us and be prayed for. I think this is the first woman we ever prayed for in this area. And we, we, I remember she sat right on her bed crying her eyes out. She was so sad she was going to lose her baby. And we asked God for a creative miracle. And we prayed over that this, this woman's womb that that baby would be healed, come back to life, and be born. And you know what? She gave birth to a baby about six, seven months later, totally whole. And we prayed that prayer. That was just in our home. We didn't make a show of that. We didn't say, call the whole world. I'm not against, you know, prayer chains. Don't get me wrong. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying it wasn't a spectacle. That was just in our, that was just in our bedroom. Just come on here. We're going to lay hands on you and believe God to heal you. And that happened. Prayed for many people for miracles in that area. Many, many people have seen miracles in that area. So we don't make a show. Jesus wasn't like that. Second is he was not a confessionalist. What I mean by this is I believe in confessing the word, but there's a difference between speaking the word and what sometimes is taught sometimes. In other words, there's a hyper movement for almost everything in Christianity. The enemy will try to take a good thing and then take it too far so it becomes a bad thing. And so he'll take a subject like grace or prosperity or faith and make it a hyper grace, a hyper prosperity, a hyper faith. What, what I mean by that is it takes it to an extreme. So hyper grace, for example. Hyper grace is where the end result is it starts with the teaching, it becomes distorted, and then the end result becomes behavior where people think, whatever I do on Saturday night, it doesn't matter because Sunday morning I can just say I'm sorry to Jesus. And this, this comes into the church, and it becomes an extreme. I'm not saying, the Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But there is a problem with just willful, ongoing, progressive, willful sin. That's not just sinning. That's iniquity. Iniquity is continuous, ongoing, willful sin. God wants us to deal with that. We can't just like pretend willfully go into something and turn around and abuse grace. That's hyper grace, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. There could be hyper um, prosperity. Hyper prosperity is sometimes masking selfishness. So I'm going to give to get. I'm going I'm to sow so I can go on vacation. 
you know, I'm gonna, I want to do this so I can get mine. That's not what giving is all about. We give to give. We are conduits, channels, vessels of God. He will bless us, but we are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed so that I just get more and more and more myself. Does anybody understand? So prosperity sometimes is taken too far, and people twist and taint scriptures to make them say what they want. Same thing can happen with hyperfaith. Hyperfaith is not denying facts or feelings. It's just exalting the truth. It's just exalting the truth. Confession is not denying the facts. It's simply stating the truth. So a lot of times you can have Christians who are struggling physically. Like today, I'm struggling physically. I've been battling since last weekend, struggling with a cold. I'm fixing to catch a healing, as we say in my family. So we have a southern phrase, I'm fixing to catch a healing. Now, by saying that that way, it's telling you that I'm fighting something, but I'm not exalting what I'm, what I'm fighting. I'm exalting faith. Did you get that? So faith is here. Facts are here. Feelings are here. I'm not denying the feelings. I don't feel that great right now. As I stand here right now, I don't feel that great. I'm not denying the facts that I sound like Brian Adams. But, the, but faith says, I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I should say so. Exodus 15, 26 says, you know, none of these diseases shall come upon you. I'm the Lord that healeth you. So I accept that. I accept what Psalm 103 says for me. Don't forget all his benefits. Who heals all your sicknesses and all of your diseases. So I'm apprehending the promise by claiming that, stating the truth. Stating what God says is truth. I don't have to state truth and at the same time deny the facts of and feelings. Does that make sense to everybody that's out there right now? So you can be talking to somebody. I remember talking to somebody who was a confessionalist. And I said to him, hey, bro, you, you, you got a cold? <laughs> no, I don't got a cold. <laughs> you don't have a cold? No, I don't got a cold. Dude, like snot's running right down his nose. I go, dude, there's snot. Running. Snot is running right down your nose. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I'm like, yeah, it is right there. Do you, you want me to show you? That's a confessionalist, a confessionalist. They've been taught sometimes that, 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 that if I say that, that's really about you, not about God. See, it's, it's the standing on the promises of God that changes things, not denying the facts or the feelings that changes things. Oh, that's so good. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you really realize what I just said. So there's these two extremes that we can go to. We can either devalue or demote the truth of God's word, which is the most common, and exalt feelings and facts, or we don't accept reality about the facts that we are sick and we don't feel good. We go to those two extremes. That's what can happen sometimes. Everybody getting this? All right, here's the last one. Dispensationalist. He was not a dispensationalist. In other words, Jesus did not believe that he was healing just for three years, and then it's over. He didn't disciple his 12 and then send out the 70, and then before he ascended into heaven, he didn't say, it's over. It's over. No, it's not what he said. He said, these signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name, you will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. If he wanted it to end, he would have said so, but he didn't want it to end. So he's not a dispensationalist. And, and it's not over, and it's going to continue as we go forward. That's why his half-brother James said, you know, if any among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church, lay hands on them, and they shall recover. That's why when you come to church, this is my belief. I'm old school a little bit, if you haven't noticed. And so people get sick sometimes, and they, they think, i got to call the doctor, and I, or i got to go to the hospital, or i got to go get medicine. But Jesus isn't even on the list. Unless I just so happen to be going to church, and that morning on the way, I have a sniffle. 
or I'll stand in proxy for somebody else. Listen, I'm just telling you as your pastor. I'm not saying bring your kids into, into, into kids' church and uh, people will be so mad at me downstairs for this, for all this kind of stuff. But if you're sick, come and get prayed for. I bet you, I, I'm tell, I don't want to bet. I believe that if you come in faith like that, you would see more miracles in your life and more healing power in your life if you came like that. God would be like, look at my son, look at my daughter. They're trusting me and my name and what my promises says more than what the prescription says on this bottle or more than what the doctor says. And you have to wait a long time sometimes to see a, a person who God gave the wisdom to bring healing to you. And you might have to wait nearly as long to come see somebody who can lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to move on. Next point. Number two, did Jesus heal everyone? Did Jesus heal everyone? Mark, excuse me, Matthew 4 says, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching. No problem with that, Pastor. I like that part. The gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout Syria and they brought to him all. You know the Greek word for all is? All. That's right. Good job. Sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them all. I could give you more scriptures, but I won't. Matthew 8, 16 says, When Jesus had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, where it says he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now, we believe, as Christ followers, Jesus bore our sins. We don't have to pay for them. But sometimes we struggle to believe he bore our sicknesses too. That same promise related to sin relates to sickness. Do you want to bear your sicknesses any more than you want to bear your sins? Of course you don't want to do that. But we have to apprehend this, the same promise that we apprehended by faith to believe that he paid for my sins. He bore the penalty of my sin is the same faith that we have to apprehend that he can bear our sicknesses. And bear our diseases and take that upon himself for us. Because he's not going to get whipped again or scourged again or go back on the cross again. So did he heal everyone? Fill this blank in. He healed everyone who came to him and some who didn't come to him. We actually have no record in scripture of, of anyone he did not heal. He never sent people to the hospital to be a witness. I'm not against that, but he didn't do that. He healed everyone who came to him and some even who didn't. There was a man who came to him with a withered hand one time. He healed him. He didn't ask for it. There was a woman who was bent over, uh, like a human question mark, and <laughs> he healed her. Ten lepers, he healed. Only one said thank you. The blind man in John chapter 9 didn't ask for healing. He healed that person. So if you had the power to heal, you had all divine power to heal people, and you went to Children's Hospital this afternoon, how many people would you heal? You'd heal all people. You being evil, the Bible says, how much more with God, who is good, do for those that he loves? So you're not as good as God, so, so we would do that, not even being as good as God. God heals everybody, wants to heal everybody. And what happens when I say this is the yabats come up. The yabats come up. So let me say this to you, and I've said it before. If you don't understand something you're, you're reading, or you don't understand something that's going on in your life, it's because you don't understand. God is still good. God loves people. God wants to heal people. Just, just, just there's things you haven't comprehended. You won't accept through relationships sometimes and experience and trust. But here's the point I really wanted to camp on as we conclude. Number three, is it God's will to heal? Is it God's will to heal? In Mark 1.40, it says this. The leper says to Jesus, you know, if you are willing, can you heal me? That's really the big question. We're not really questioning Jesus' capability. 
We're we're challenging or questioning, is he willing to heal me? Most people know that God has all power, but most people are not convinced that he wants to heal us. This is really the real problem. We're having trouble believing he's willing. And that's why we say things when we pray, which I'd like to omit from our vocabulary. You know, when we say, we pray for somebody, God, if it be thy will, if it be thy will. Or we're praying for our kid, if it be thy will. It's the only time we talk King James is when we're praying for healing. Like we're going to get to heaven to get credit for saying thy will. Thy, thy. We get super spiritual, you know. Let me tell you something. It is God's will for you to be healed. It is God's will. Let me, let me, let me break it down for you a little bit. So you say, well, if it is God's will, well, 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 yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Keep that Hebrew over there for a second. Will, I've taught you this before, will is interchangeable with another word, desire. Desire. See, see, it's my last will and testament. I, when I die, I want to pass on the remaining $75 I have to my four children. <laughs> it's my will. It's my will. That's my desire, Okay. God's will, in, in, in 1 Peter, it says, it, it's, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He's not willing. He, his desire is that everybody would come to God. Let me ask you a question. Is everybody going to come to God? No. Is everybody going to be saved? No. Is it God's will or desire, though, that they, that they? Yes. Yes. See, sometimes it's a misunderstanding about the, the will of God. We think the will means it has to happen. No, because of our free will. Our free will can be can circumvent his will for our lives. That's the most powerful muscle you've been given is free will agency. So he desires that everybody be healed. Why aren't more people healed? I'll tell you some sidebars why most people aren't, a lot of people aren't healed. Healed is because we never hear about healing. We never hear about it. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. More people will get healed when we talk about it, when we read God's word about it. In my office right now, I have pages of, of scriptures just on healing that Joan Legassi made for me years ago. I've kept it for many, many years. When I feel sick, I read those scriptures. I have a CD in my car of Holly Wagner going through the whole Bible, just speaking the word of God regarding healing. Let me tell you something. When, I, when you get through reading or listening to that, it affects you. It affects you. All of a sudden, you have promises and things that you can hold on to. 6,000 promises in the scriptures that you can hold on to that are for you. So a lot of times, we don't get healed because we never hear about it. Another reason we don't get healed is because we live in a fallen world. It's a cursed world. I could go on, but another reason is, this is a big one. A reason I think many of us in America don't get healed is because we're too intelligent. We're just too, we're just too smart. We're just too smart. We don't think go to God first. We think go to Google first. We think go to the medicine first. We think go to a doctor first. We think go to, to, to some other avenue. That's why when I go to a foreign country, and I'll be going to one again soon, uh, you pray for people, they get healed right away. In fact, they ask you, pray. I got off a plane. I wasn't even there 45 minutes, and I was in an impoverished area in some kind of a mud hut praying for somebody who had had a massive car accident, pelvis destroyed, bones destroyed, everything. And the first thing they wanted me to do is come and pray for them. But not in America because we're too intelligent. We're too smart. Maybe that's why we don't see. I think another reason people don't get healed is because we don't realize that we're in a war. That your prayers are answered in heaven, but to pull down from heaven to earth what God has for you sometimes takes a battle, and there's a battle in the heavenlies for that to actually manifest. And the Bible talks about this if we'll be able to pursue and take the time to find out what it says about those things. But back to the story. 
the leper is really the, is, is so important to what's going on really in your life personally. Because if you look a little deeper, leprosy, which was a horrific disease, uh, it, it was a flesh-eating disease. There was no cure for this disease. It was the worst thing really happening in humanity at the time, and it would take fingers and toes and limbs. It was terrible. But worse than the physical torment of this disease was the social um, separation and isolation that came about as a result. If you can imagine, we talked about this last week in Easter, the different types of death. Well, relational death is really in many cases worse than a physical death. Why? Because your heart longs for intimacy and connection. We were never meant to be separated. And so these people would just have to be completely pulled away from society. In fact, if you came to them, anywhere near them, they were obligated to yell out, unclean, unclean. Don't anybody, in other words, touch me. Don't show any expressions of love or affection or anything or because I'm unclean, I'm unclean. What's amazing about that particular verse where Jesus says he came to the leper and he touched him. That word touched in the Greek, that's why it's so great to learn more about your Bible. But underneath that, that word means embrace. So Jesus didn't just go up and go, you know, hold on, let me get some sanitizer. Let me pray for you. Or right after. No, Jesus went up and he hugged the man. He gave him everything he needed. He needed to be accepted and not rejected. He needed to be whole. He needed to also be clean. Listen, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, what was um, clean, if it touched something unclean, would become unclean. But in the New Testament, because of Jesus, the clean would always touch the unclean, and then it would become clean because of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So it doesn't matter what your condition is or what your circumstances are. God will take and touch whatever's going on in your life and make whatever is unclean, clean in your life again, which leads me to my final point. Is he willing to heal me? I believe in healing. I see it, Pastor, but I just want to know, God, are you willing to heal me? Some of you are sitting there. Some of you are listening there right now and just wondering, what about me? What about me? I think through me, God has compassion for you. He has compassion for you. He wants to heal you. In fact, I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want to pray for you. I don't think there's one person here. You're not going to get all your notes. Just let it go. Just let it go. There's not one person here that would say, I'm better than that leper. And yet he was healed. You probably think you're worse in some respects. Sometimes we actually think we're suffering because of something we've done. We were bad. That's why bad things are happening to me. That's why I'm suffering. That's, that's why I'm sick. That's why I'm in this condition that I'm in right now. That's why Mark 2 says this. Those who are well have no need of a physician or a healer or a doctor, but only those who are sick. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down right away. But I did not call... I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Listen to me, everybody, and within the sound of my voice, every person Jesus healed was a sinner. Every person Jesus healed was a sinner. None of them deserved it. Grace is for everybody. None of them deserved it. In fact, every person that's here that just you, you think you're you're worse than a leper. Jesus came to heal everyone. He loves everybody. You can't deserve it can't deserve it. In fact, this is kind of good news for all of you, but all of you are bad enough to be healed. All of you are bad enough to be healed. Amen? Why don't you close your eyes? I want to pray for you. 
The most important miracle that Jesus wanted to perform and the primary objective or mission that he had on the planet Earth was to heal the human heart. And you might be here today and this subject is pretty new and different for you. But at the same time, God is speaking to you. Something's happened since you've been here. You realize something is missing. Something is, there's a hole in your heart. The Bible says that God put eternity in the heart of man. In other words, he put something inside of you that longs to be in relationship with God. He's the only one that can fill the void of your heart and heal your heart. Every broken place, every relationship where there's brokenness, God wants to heal that in your life today. And if you know that he's talking to you, in a minute we're going to pray for healing for our bodies, but if you know that he's talking to you and, he, and you want your heart to be healed, you want to be in right standing with Jesus, you want to make sure that if you left here today and something didn't go right, you'd be all right with him. If that's you today and you know he's talking to you, I was there once and so were many people in this room and I'm not going to call you down front or embarrass you, but I know he's talking to somebody, listening to my voice. Would you raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor? That's me. Good night. God bless you. God bless you all over the room. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, children too. That's awesome. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Four, five, six, seven, eight over here on the left. That's awesome. Many in the middle. God bless you, girls. Thank you. Thank you, ladies over there. That's awesome for your courage. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. And church, would you pray this prayer with me? And then I'm going to pray healing for you as well. Those who raise your hand, say this from your heart, okay? Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I don't want to leave here without knowing you. And I know that's possible by decision that I make right now. Come into my heart. Heal whatever's broken. Make me a new person in Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, as simple as it is, it's that simple to begin a new relationship in Christ Jesus. The Bible says the angels rejoice and celebrate for sinners that have come home, recognizing they can't do it by themselves. And Lord, I pray that they go out of here realizing they're not by themselves anymore, that you're alongside them and you're going to guide them and direct them as they go forward in Jesus' name. And now for people who need a physical healing in your body, I'd like you to raise your hand. If you know you need a physical healing, good night. Don't miss out. God has been speaking to you about healing, and you want a healing today, today, today. Good, all over the room. You can put your hands down. Now, if God's speaking to you about that, I, I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray for you a general prayer, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm just like the general practitioner. I'd like you to come see these specialists up here at the front and receive prayer. You would spend hours going somewhere to receive something that might or might not work and pay a lot of money for it. I want to encourage you to come and receive the free gift of healing today at the altars of God and believe he's going to heal your body. Or maybe you stand in proxy for somebody else who needs a healing. And when he does, in Jesus' name, I encourage you to tell somebody about it and testify about it. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that every person who needs a miracle in their life, we believe you can hear naturally and medically, but today we're going to you supernaturally, asking for your, come on church, agree with me. You're going to, we're going to you. God is our healer, is our physician, is our doctor. And I pray in Jesus' name that there would be more miracles, more interventions, the things that get in the way, God, not praying long enough, pushing. Lord, maybe just our intelligence that gets in the way where just put us aside. Give us that childlike faith again. Quicken that in our lives again to believe God. Give us that importunity and that persistence, Lord, to stand uh, in, in a prayer line and receive by faith what God has for us. Lord, I ask you to do miracles in people's hearts and in people's bodies today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big praise.